Part one of Chapter seven of Stories of Animal Sagacity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Stories of Animal Sagacity by W. H. G. Kingston. Chapter seven Savage and Other Animals the lion and his keeper the majestic step the bold look the grace and strength of the lion have obtained for him the title of king of beasts he is greatly indebted however to the imagination of the poet for the noble qualities which he is supposed to possess he is though capable of gratitude towards those from whom he has received kindness often treacherous and revengeful and dr livingston considers him an arrant coward the stories however which i have to narrate describe his better qualities mrs lee tells us of a lion which was kept in the menagerie at brussels the animal's cell requiring some repairs the keeper led him to the upper portion of it where after playing with him for some time they both fell asleep the carpenter who was employed in the work below wishing to ascertain whether it was finished as desired called the keeper to inspect what he had done receiving no answer he climbed up when seeing the keeper and the lion thus asleep side by side he uttered a cry of horror his voice awoke the lion which gazing fiercely at him for a moment placed his paw on the breast of his keeper and lay down to sleep again on the other attendants being summoned they aroused the keeper who on opening his eyes appeared in no way frightened but taking the paw of the lion shook it and quietly led him down to the lower part of the den end of the lion and his keeper the generous lion and his assailants the custom existed till lately on the continent of having combats between wild animals and dogs although they were very different from the spectacles exhibited in the days of ancient rome it had been arranged that a battle should take place between a lion and four large bulldogs the lion released from his den stood looking round him in the arena when the dogs were let loose three of them however turned tail one alone having the courage to attack him the lion crouching down as the dog approached stretched him motionless with one stroke of his paw then drawing the animal towards him almost concealed him with his huge forepaws it was believed that the dog was dead in a short time however it began to move and was allowed by the lion to struggle up onto its feet but when the dog attempted to run away the lion with two bounds reached it showing it how completely it was in his power pity or it may have been contempt now seemed to move the heart of the generous lion he stepped back a few paces and allowed the dog to escape through the door opened for the purpose while the spectators uttered loud shouts of applause end of the generous lion and his assailants the grateful lion 
a remarkably handsome african lion was being sent to the coast where it was to be placed on board ship to be carried to france when it fell ill its keepers supposing that it would not recover left it to die on the wild open side of the mountain which they were at the time crossing there it lay on the point of perishing when a traveller who had been shooting in the interior of the country happened to pass that way seeing the condition of the noble-looking animal he gave it some new milk from the goats which he had in his camp the lion drank it eagerly and at once began to revive showing his gratitude by licking the hand of the benevolent stranger the traveller continued his kind offers to the poor beast which in consequence of his care completely recovered when the traveller moved on the lion accompanied his camp and became so attached to his benefactor that he followed him about everywhere taking food from his hand and being in every respect as tame as a dog end of the grateful lion the tiger and his companions on one of her voyages from china the pit east india man had on board among her passengers a young tiger he appeared to be as harmless and playful as a kitten and allowed the utmost familiarity from every one he was especially fond of creeping into the sailors hammocks and while he lay stretched on the deck he would suffer two or three of them to place their heads on his back as upon a pillow now and then however he would at dinner time run off with pieces of their meat and though sometimes severely punished for theft he bore the chastisement and received with the patience of a dog his chief companion was a terrier with whom he would play all sorts of tricks tumbling and rolling over the animal in the most amusing manner without hurting it he would also frequently run out on the bowsprit and climb about the rigging with the agility of a cat on his arrival in england he was sent to the menagerie at the tower while there another terrier was introduced into his den possibly he may have mistaken it for his old friend for he immediately became attached to the dog and appeared uneasy whenever it was taken away now and then the dangerous experiment was tried of allowing the terrier to remain while the tiger was fed presuming on their friendship the dog occasionally ventured to approach him but the tiger showed his true nature on such occasions by snarling in a way which made the little animal quickly retreat he had been in england two years when one of the seamen of the pit came to the tower the animal at once recognized his old friend and appeared so delighted that the sailor begged to be allowed to go into the den the tiger on this rubbed himself against him licked his hands and fawned on him as a cat would have done the sailor remained in the den for a couple of hours or more during which time the tiger kept so close to him that it was evident he would have some difficulty in getting out again without the animal making his escape at the same time the den consisted of two compartments at last the keeper contrived to entice the tiger to the inner one when he closed the slide and the seaman was liberated great is the danger of associating with those of bad morals 
pleasant and friendly as they may seem end of the tiger and his companions the tigress and her young the tigress generally takes much less care of her young than does the lioness of her whelps occasionally however she shows the same maternal affection two young tiger cubs had been found by some villagers while their mother had been ranging in quest of prey they were put into a stable where during the whole night they continued to make the greatest possible noise after some days during which it was evident that their mother had been searching for them in every direction she at length discovered the place where they were confined and replied to their cries with tremendous howlings the keeper fearing she would break into the stable and probably wreak her vengeance on his head set the cubs at liberty she at once made her way to them and before morning had carried them off to an adjoining jungle if that savage tigress could thus risk the loss of her life for the sake of her cubs think what must be your mother's love for you do you try to repay her in some part for all her care and tenderness by your affection by doing all she wishes and what you know is right whether she sees you or not trying not in any way to vex her but to please her in all things end of the tigress and her young the wolf and his master even a wolf savage as that animal is may if caught young and treated kindly become tame a story is told of a wolf which showed a considerable amount of affection for its master he had brought it up from a puppy and it became as tame as the best trained dog obeying him in everything having frequently to leave home and not being able to take the wolf with him he sent it to a menagerie where he knew it would carefully be looked after at first the wolf was very unhappy and evidently pined for its absent master at length resigning itself to its fate it made friends with its keepers and recovered its spirits fully eighteen months had passed by when its old master returning home paid a visit to the menagerie immediately he spoke the wolf recognized his voice and made strenuous efforts to get free on being set at liberty it sprang forward and leaped up and caressed him like a dog its master however left it with its keepers and three years passed away before he paid another visit to the menagerie notwithstanding this lapse of time the wolf again recognized him and exhibited the same marks of affection on his master again going away the wolf became gloomy and desponding and refused its food so that fears were entertained for its life it recovered its health however and though it suffered its keepers to approach exhibited the savage disposition of its tribe towards all strangers the history of this wolf shows you that the fiercest tempers may be calmed by gentleness end of the wolf and his master foxes their domestic habits errant thieves as foxes are with regard to their domestic virtues mrs f assures me that they eminently shine both parents take the greatest interest in rearing and educating their offspring 
they provide in their burrow a comfortable nest lined with feathers for their newborn cubs should either parent perceive in the neighborhood of their abode the slightest sign of human approach they immediately carry their young to a spot of greater safety sometimes many miles away they usually set off in the twilight of a fine evening the papa fox having taken a survey all round marches first the young ones march singly and mamma brings up the rear on reaching a wall or bank papa always mounts first and looks carefully around rearing himself on his haunches to command a wider view he then utters a short cry which the young ones understanding as come along instantly obey all being safely over mamma follows pausing in her turn on the top of the fence when she makes a careful survey especially rearward she then gives a responsive cry answering to all right and follows the track of the others thus the party proceed on their march repeating the same precautions at each fresh barrier when peril approaches the wary old fox instructs his young ones to escape with turns and doublings on their path while he himself will stand still on some brow or knoll where he can both see and be seen having thus drawn attention to himself he will take to flight in a different direction occasionally while the young family are disporting themselves near their home if peril approach the parents utter a quick peculiar cry commanding the young ones to hurry to earth knowing that in case of pursuit they have neither strength nor speed to secure their escape they themselves will then take to flight and seek some distant place of security the instruction they afford their young is varied sometimes the parents toss bones into the air for the young foxes to catch if the little one fails to seize it before it falls to the ground the parent will snap at him in reproof if he catches it cleverly papa growls his approval and tosses it up again this sport continues for a considerable time as i have said no other animals so carefully educate their young in the way they should go as does the fox he is a good husband an excellent father capable of friendship and a very intelligent member of society but all the while it must be confessed an incorrigible rogue and thief do not pride yourself on being perfect because you possess some good qualities consider the many bad ones which counteract them and strive to overcome those end of foxes their domestic habits the fox and the wild fowl mrs f gave me the following account of the ingenious stratagem of a fox witnessed by a friend he was lying one summer's day under the shelter of some shrubs on the bank of the tweed when his attention was attracted by the cries of wild fowl accompanied by a great deal of fluttering and splashing on looking round he perceived a large brood of ducks which had been disturbed by the drifting of a fir branch among them after circling in the air for a little time they again settled down on their feeding ground two or three minutes elapsed when the same event again occurred a branch drifted down with the stream into the midst of the ducks and startled them from their repast once more they rose upon the wing clamoring loudly 
but when the harmless bow had drifted by, settled themselves down upon the water as before. This occurred so frequently that at last they scarcely troubled themselves to flutter out of the way, even when about to be touched by the drifting bow. The gentlemen, meantime, marking the regular intervals at which the fir branches succeeded each other in the same track, looked for a cause, and perceived, at length, higher up the bank of the stream, a fox, which, having evidently set them adrift, was eagerly watching their progress and the effect they produced. Satisfied with the result, cunning Reynard had at last selected a larger branch of spruce fir than usual, and crouching himself down on it, set it adrift as he had done the others. The birds, now well trained to indifference, scarcely moved till he was in the midst of them, when, making rapid snaps right and left, he secured two fine young ducks as his prey, and floated forward triumphantly on his raft while the surviving fowls, clamoring in terror, took to flight and returned no more to the spot. End of the Fox and the Wild Fowl The Laborer and the Sly Fox A laborer, going to his work one morning, caught sight of a fox stretched out at full length under a bush. Believing it to be dead, the man drew it out by the tail and swung it about to assure himself of the fact perceiving no symptoms of life he then threw it over his shoulder intending to make a cap of the skin and ornament his cottage wall with the brush while the fox hung over one shoulder his mattock balanced on the other the point of the instrument as he walked along every now and then struck against the ribs of the fox which not so dead as the man supposed objected to this proceeding though he did not mind being carried along with his head downward. Losing patience, he gave a sharp snap at that portion of the laborer's body near which his head hung. The man, startled by this sudden attack, threw the fox and mattock to the ground, when, turning round, he espied the live animal making off at full speed. End of the Laborer and the Sly Fox The Fox in the hen roost. I cannot help fancying that Irish foxes are even more cunning than their brethren in other parts of the world. I have heard so many accounts of their wonderful doings. Near Buttevant, where some of Mrs. F.'s family resided, there happened to be a hole in the thatch of the fowl house. A fox, finding it out, sprang down through the aperture and slew and feasted all the night to his heart's desire. The intruder, however, had not reflected that he might be unable to secure his retreat by the way through which he had entered. To spring upward, especially after a heavy supper, was a laborious effect, and no doubt the villain had grown sufficiently uneasy in his mind before the early hour at which the farm servant opened the door to liberate the fowls. When the door was opened, the man beheld the poacher in the midst of his slaughtered game, cudgel in hand he sprang in and fastened the door behind him ready for a duel with master reynard at close quarters but well the rascal knew that discretion is the better part of valor and that he who fights and runs away may live to fight another day 
So, after being hunted about the house for some time, he seized an opportunity, when the man stooped to aim a decisive blow at him, to spring upon his assailant's back, and thence leap through the aperture in the roof, which he could not otherwise have reached. Thus he made his escape. It would have been amusing to see the countenance of the man when he found his fancied victim vanished from his sight like the wizard of a fairy tale. Cunning rogues often get trapped, like the fox, when they hope to enjoy their spoil in security. Beware when you have such a one to deal with that he does not spring on your back and leave you to be answerable for his crime. To you, my young friend, I would say, you cannot be too cautious in dealing with what is wrong. You may fancy yourself able to cope with it, but it may prove too cunning for you. Better keep out of its way till you have gained strength and wisdom. End of Fox in the Hen Roof The Fox and a Plow Furrow The hero of a Scotch story escaped from his foes by making his way down the course of a stream that no trace of his footsteps might be found. Equally sagacious was an Irish fox, which, pursued by the hounds, was seen by a farmer while he was plowing a field to run along in the furrow directly before him. While wondering how it was that the sly creature was pursuing this course, he heard the cry of dogs, and, turning round, saw the whole pack at a dead stand near the other end of the field, at the very spot where Reynard had entered the newly formed trench. The fox had evidently taken this ingenious way of eluding pursuit, and the farmer, admiring the cleverness of the animal, allowed it to get off without betraying its whereabouts. End of the fox in a plow furrow. The fox and the badger. Long live old Ireland. A countryman was making his way along the bank of a mountain stream in Galloway when he caught sight of a badger moving leisurely along a ledge of rock on the opposite bank. The sound of the huntsman's horn at the same moment reached his ears, followed by the well-known cry of a pack of dogs. As he was looking round to watch for their approach, he caught sight of a fox making his way behind the badger among the rocks and bushes. The badger continued his course while the fox, after walking for some distance close in his rear, leaped into the water. Scarcely had he disappeared when on came the pack at full speed in pursuit. The fox, however, by this time was far away, floating down the stream, but the dogs instantly set upon the luckless badger and tore him to pieces. Before they discovered, they had not got Reynard in their clutches. Evildoers seldom scruple to let others suffer, so that they may escape. Keep all together out of the places frequented by such. End of the Fox and the Badger The Fox and the Hares I have still another story to tell about cunning Reynard. Daylight had just broke when a well-known naturalist, gun in hand, wandering in search of specimens, observed a large fox making his way along the skirts of a plantation. Reynard looked cautiously over the turf wall into the neighboring field, longing evidently to get hold of some of the hares feeding in it, well aware that he had little chance of catching one by dint of running. 
After examining the different gaps in the wall, he fixed on one which seemed to be the most frequented, and laid himself down close to it, in the attitude of a cat watching a mouse hole. He next scraped a small hollow in the ground to form a kind of screen. Now and then he stopped to listen or take a cautious peep into the field. This done, he again laid himself down and remained motionless, except when occasionally his eagerness induced him to reconnoiter the feeding hares. One by one, as the sun rose, they made their way from the field to the plantation. Several passed, but he moved not, except to crouch still closer to the ground. At length, two came directly towards him. The involuntary motion of his ears, though he did not venture to look up, showed that he was aware of their approach. Like lightning, as they were leaping through the gap, Reynard was upon them, and catching one, killed her immediately. He was decamping with his booty when a rifle ball put an end to his career. End of the Fox and the Hares Birdie the Arctic Fox I must tell you one more story about a fox, and a very interesting little animal it was, though not less cunning than its relatives in warmer regions. Mr. Hayes, the Arctic explorer, had a beautiful little snow-white fox, which was his companion in his cabin when his vessel was frozen up during the winter. She had been caught in a trap, but soon became tame and used to sit in his lap during meals, with her delicate paws on the cloth. A plate and fork were provided for her, though she was unable to handle the fork herself, and little bits of raw venison, which she preferred to seasoned food. When she took the morsels into her mouth, her eyes sparkled with delight. She used to wipe her lips and look up at her master with an expression perfectly irresistible. Sometimes she exhibited much impatience, but a gentle rebuke with a fork on the tip of the nose was sufficient to restore her patience. When sufficiently tame, she was allowed to run loose in the cabin, but she got into the habit of bounding over the shelves without much regard for the valuable and perishable articles lying on them. She soon also found out the bull's eye overhead, through which the cracks round which she could sniff the cool air. Close beneath it, she accordingly took up her abode, and thence she used to crawl down when dinner was on the table, getting into her master's lap and looking up longingly and lovingly into his face, sometimes putting out her little tongue with impatience and barking if the beginning of the repast was too long delayed. To prevent her climbing, she was secured by a slight chain. This she soon managed to break, and once having performed the operation, she did not fail to attempt it again. To do this, she would first draw herself back as far as she could get, and then suddenly dart forward in the hope of snapping it by the jerk, and though she was thus sent reeling on the floor, she would again pick herself up, panting as if her little heart would break, shake out her disarranged coat, and try once more. When observed, however, she would sit quietly down, cock her head cunningly to one side, follow the chain with her eye along its whole length to its fastening on the floor, walk leisurely to that point, hesitating a moment, and then make another plunge.
All this time she would eye her master sharply, and if he moved, she would fall down on the floor at once, pretending to be asleep. She was a very neat and cleanly creature, everlastingly brushing her clothes and bathing regularly in a bath of snow provided for her in the cabin. This last operation was her great delight. She would throw up the white flakes with her diminutive nose, rolling about and burying herself in them, wipe her face with her soft paws, and then mount to the side of the tub looking round her knowingly, and barking the prettiest bark that ever was heard. This was her way of enforcing admiration, and, being now satisfied with her performance, she would give a goodly number of shakes to her sparkling coat, then, happy and refreshed, crawl into her airy bed in the bull's eye to go to sleep. Mr. Hayes does not tell us what became of Bertie. I am afraid that her fate was a sad one. End of Birdie, the Arctic Fox. End of Part 1 of Chapter 7, Savage and Other Animals.